Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean, and whether you are joining us on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're streaming live via the ESPNTucson.com website, we appreciate you tuning in here every weekday morning from 7 to 9 as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And uh, we'd be breaking it down here for you. And coming up in uh, just about uh, 15 minutes or so, Matt Moreno, senior editor of Go AZ Cats, will be joining us talking some football and basketball recruiting and everything Arizona-related and uh, get the inside scoop on some of the stuff and maybe some some new information that uh, you weren't familiar with. We've also got some more NBA news, which we'll be discussing. Of course, we'll also be talking NFL here in hour number two as we talk NFL every single morning here on the Jeff Dean Show, and there is plenty to talk about as the the trailer for the new season of Hard Knocks has recently come out. And, man, am I excited watching the Dallas Cowboys and Jarrah. Jarrah, who's been in a great mood this offseason, has Jarrah. Been talking to the media, big smile on his face, talking about how they're the underdogs and looking forward to that week one matchup versus the almighty Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady and all that. He is he is really talking it up, and I you know like I think he's doing a good job. He's he's trying to make sure that his team doesn't get over their skis, looking to try to beat the champs. If you don't if you don't beat the champs and a team who's favored to return to the Super Bowl in the NFC uh, this season, if you don't beat them in Week One of of a seventeen game season, it's look it's water off a duck's back. It's not a big deal. It's not a division game. You'd love to have that win, obviously, but if you lose. And you play well, okay. You can you can you can wash that off. You can you can still take that to your fans. And be like, look, we're still for real. We can still win the East uh, and make it back to the uh, to the playoffs and get another shot at Tampa when we're ready. Okay. If you win that game, obviously it's a huge coup for your team, and you can you can go off and you can say, look, you know we we proved to everybody in this off season that we were serious about winning a Super Bowl championship. We just took down the champs. And now we're ready to take down the rest of the league and blah blah blah. And he, he, he's setting them up. He knows what he's doing. He's been in this game long enough. Uh, he knows how to treat the media and how to how to hype up a game and how to market his team. He's the, it's the most marketable team on planet Earth. So yeah, done a fine job with that. Overnight, if you didn't see it, what some people are calling the best race in Olympic history occurred. It was the men's 400 meter hurdles final. In a word was unreal. Now, Team USA star Rye Benjamin, who was uh, one of the favorites to, uh, to win a medal um, at, this, uh, at the Tokyo Games, posted a blistering time of 46.17. Apparently, that's really good in 400-meter hurdles. I have no idea. I can barely run to the refrigerator and back without breathing heavily. Now, 46.17 would have been a world record had Norway's Karsten Vorholm not broken his previous world record of a 45.94. So, Rye Benjamin breaks the world record, but oh, no, no, hang on, there's somebody in front of you also breaking the record, which is a problem. Benjamin said, I think this was probably the best race. No, that was the best race in Olympic history. I don't even think Usain Bolt's 9.5 topped that. I mean, three guys pretty much broke the world record, and he's right. 
Uh, now, Rye Benjamin, who claimed silver in the, uh, in the final, he says, if you would have told me that I was going to run 46-1 and lose, I would probably have beat you up and tell you to get out of my room, but I'm happy to be a part of history. And it was quite the final, as even the bronze medal winner, uh, I think he posted a time of one one-hundredth of a second off of the world record. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> geez, that was what an amazing race. And, uh, and the, uh, the Norwegian draped in his flag so proud uh, to, win that, uh, to win that world record, win the gold and, and claim, you know, a new world record. Uh, which is uh, amazing stuff, and so some you know some some good stories, some amazing things happening in uh, in Tokyo. NBA free agency still going on. Um, not a whole lot of news yet this morning. Um, you know, we're still kind of you know trying to sift through everything that happened yesterday. As I mentioned, the Phoenix Suns re-signing Chris Paul, re-signing Cameron Payne, bringing Javale McGee on for a one-year, five million dollar deal. Like these are all good deals for the Suns, and 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 look, the four years, one hundred and twenty million for Chris Paul. I'm not a fan of the fourth year. I don't think it was necessary, but nonetheless, it gives them a little more flexibility here in the first couple of years. And if Chris Paul does decide to retire after his third season in that contract, the Phoenix Suns will pay a zero-year contract to Chris Paul, um, and it will it will hurt. You know, don't don't get me wrong, it it will hurt. Um, but there are also reparations from the NBA that could occur at that point as well. Um, Cameron Payne signs a three-year deal, $19 million. That's a, that's a bargain for the Phoenix Suns. He, uh, he hooked them up. And, look, it, it, was a, it was a nod. It was a thank you to James Jones who gave Cameron Payne his first million um, to basically say thank you for believing in me. I love being here. I love my coaches, and I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to give you guys the you know, quote-unquote hometown discount and he signs for just a little over $6 million a year, which is a bargain for a guy like Cameron Payne, who, again, you know, I, I don't, I'm not trying to diminish what he did in the, in the postseason. He had one great game in the postseason, a 30-point game. But, look, he was solid. He didn't turn the ball over a whole lot. He was still able to command the offense. I like the, the change of pace that he gives the Phoenix Suns when he's on the floor because he's got that lightning-quick first step, and he's able to attack the rim. I'd like to see him add – a little more, I guess, scoring flourish around the rim. Um, he finish. He, he jumps off the wrong foot, finishes with the wrong hand often at the rim, which is, has caused some problems. It's gotten his shot blocked or he's missed some layups. Uh, I would like to see him, you know, maybe get some more fundamentals. I guess if you will, I said flourish, like fundamentals. I, I, know it's, I don't know. I, either one. I'll, do, I'll take either one. Be more effective around the rim. He gets to the rim. Rather easily, I'd like to see him be able to finish uh, a lot, on a, a lot more occasion, a lot more frequently uh, around the rim. But look, it's a good deal. And if the Phoenix Suns are able to lobby the NBA for the injury exemption for Dario Saric, basically say, "Look, we had to go out and sign Javale McGee because Dario Saric injured himself in the postseason and is going to be unavailable to us after blowing out his ACL." So we had to sign a backup center, and the NBA says, okay, yeah, you're right. Thank you for, you know, for reemploying one of our veterans uh, and giving, you know, our veteran. And, look, the NBA does as much of a young man's league as it is. They still do look at their veterans. They take good care of their veterans. It was important for Chris Paul, you know, several years ago to extend the, you know, the over 36 rule to the over 38 rule. 
um, so that elder players weren't going to be taken advantage of, and it's something that the league embraces. So in, in, a, in a league where the teams have such small rosters, right, I mean, you know, 12 to 14 players on a roster, um, it's, it's easy to forget about your veteran players, especially with the influx of young talent that comes into the league every single year. Uh, but the NBA does a good job of, of embracing their veterans. So the Suns go to the league. They say, hey, look, we, uh, we, we, we signed JaVale McGee, gave him $5 million. We would like an exemption for that $5 million. And if the NBA signs off and it says, yep, you're good to go, that gives the Suns an extra $5 million to spend under the cap, which is a huge boost for them. They can, they can package that with a mid-level exception and be able to bring in another high-priced talent. Now, I mentioned one of those guys because they lose Torrey Craig. They lose their transition guy, a guy who's going to fight on the boards, but a smaller guy, right? He's going to play. He's a, he's a small four. He's a small power forward or a big three, if you will. Not great range, uh, not a great three-point shooter, but a guy who gives a lot of effort and plays good defense. If they could replace him with a guy like, and I've mentioned Andre Iguodala, would love to have his experience and his coachability here uh, in the Phoenix Suns, in a Phoenix Suns uniform, and, you know, bring on his experience and such. And, again, I don't think it will help them much during the regular season, but in the postseason his experience and his knowledge is is invaluable. And, uh, you know, he's going to command probably somewhere between 9 and $11 million, I would imagine, for his final season in an NBA uniform. So it would be nice for the Suns to be able to kind of package some money together to get a guy like an Andre Iguodala here. I would love to have specifically – Iggy in a Suns uniform. That would be awesome. As a Suns fan, as a Wildcats fan, that would be great. I would love to have that. That would be a lot of fun. And I think it would help them win, honestly. Speaking of winning, congratulations to Harold Owls. Who? I don't mean to say who, but who? Because his last name is Owls. That's a cool name. Harold Owls was the winner of our FC Tucson tickets. Congratulations, Harold. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the game. And uh, cheer on our soccer team there in Tucson. Matt Moreno coming up in just a few minutes. We've got a lot of basketball and football recruiting to talk with him. It's going to be an extension of what we discussed yesterday, but just with a, you know, a finer point on it because this is Matt's job. He, that's what he does for Go AZ Cats. Um, he is the, you know, a guy who follows the recruiting. He's on the recruiting trail. He's with the team's in the you know the, the the AAU circuit and such, and he's traveling back and forth between Vegas, California, Arizona, and any, anywhere these tournaments are going on, and he's seeing these guys in person. He's also getting a chance to see which coaches are in attendance at these games and these tournaments and stuff. So that's also important as well to remember. So we'll talk about some, uh, some Wildcat uh, news coming up in just a little bit. Now, I did mention a little bit more in free agency about the Los Angeles Lakers. I... I mean, like, what are they doing? I mean, we, we talked about because because they spent so much money on the big three that they're going to have to round out the rest of their roster with one-and-done guys, right? One-year deals, veterans minimums, that kind of stuff. And that's what they're doing. Uh, Dwight Howard, Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, all signing deals with the Los Angeles Lakers, one-year deals, all over the age of 34 years old. Now they get a couple of shooters in there. Ellington uh, is a good shooter, and Kent Bazemore, uh, honestly, one of the better shooters in the league. And I'm surprised that Bazemore left Golden State. I mean, he and Steph are thick as thieves, and 
basically he cited a better chance to win a championship by going to L.A. by signing with them. He didn't say that out loud, but that's what it tells you. So interesting that he would leave Golden State to go play in La La Land. Maybe he feels like his role is going to be better suited as a shooter around LeBron. Maybe he thinks he can work his way into the starting lineup as, as somebody who is a, a three-point shooter because Bazemore, I believe, he was second in the NBA the last the last two seasons, last maybe three seasons, in three-point field goals attempted and shot right around 40, just under 42%, which is remarkable. Um, only Steph Curry has a higher three-point shooting percentage with that volume. So a good shooter, that's probably the best pickup that the Lakers had uh, yesterday was Kent Bazemore, which is a surprise. Again, leaving Golden State the way that he did. So we'll see. Um, again, Lakers are really old. I, I, I saw uh, a, a report, and I was trying to figure out kind of like where they fit in as far as age goes with other historical teams. And I believe the average age of the Lakers, depending on what they, what they do today, if they, if they sign Carmelo, that's going to even send them further over. But this is the oldest NBA team since the 2016, or maybe it's 2015. One of the years, the Cavaliers. Uh, maybe it was 2015 Cavaliers. This is going to be the oldest team since then. So maybe LeBron saying, look, just give me a bunch of old dudes, and we'll go out here and we'll play some basketball. So I, I, don't, I don't like the strategy. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think the strategy is going to work regardless because of Russell Westbrook being in the mix there. I just don't think that he and LeBron can coexist. Again, I'm not the end-all, be-all of NBA uh, assessments and such. I just don't see it working. I don't think there are enough basketballs to go around to satisfy these guys. And it would be interesting if the Lakers actually had considered maybe trading Anthony Davis. You know, I mean, he's he's your only star that's under 30, which makes him a high-commodity I mean, he's obviously a high commodity because of his skill set and his age in the NBA. But also, you know, the injury proneness, it might, they might be getting sick and tired of it there in Los Angeles. You know, little things keep him out of games. And it'll be interesting to see if they maybe even discussed trading Anthony Davis or if they may still look into trading him if things are not working out early on. If they, if they play their first 30 games and they're a 500 team, they could be looking to make some drastic changes. So I don't think things are over for the Lakers there in La La Land. With school just around the corner, we want to help you and the student in your life get the supplies that they need to succeed. ESPN Tucson is giving you the chance to win a $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree. You can register once per day through August 9th. That's six more days. You can register online at ESPNTucson.com. Just follow the links there. They'll show you where to go. Get yourself registered and try to win that $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree. Coming up next, Matt Moreno, senior editor of GoAZCats.com, joins us to talk Arizona football and Arizona basketball. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Talking Arizona Wildcat sports here, Arizona football, Arizona basketball, and when we do that, when we specifically want to break down recruiting and the inside information, there's no one better than the senior editor at GoAZCats.com. He is Matt Moreno, and he joins us right now on the Jeff Dean Show. Matt, it's Jeff. How are you, sir? Doing great. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. I know it's, uh, I know it's early, and uh, we appreciate you. And 
first of all, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this interview, I just kind of want to find out where you are in the whole the whole Pac-12 expansion thing. Are you one of those people that are wanting the Pac-12 to go and get Iowa State and TCU and Baylor and Oklahoma State and bring them in here and make a super conference out of non-super teams? Or are you just fine with the Pac-12 standing pat? I can understand the thinking behind wanting to expand, and, and I think there are you know, good reasons to do so if it makes sense. But I'm kind of in line with kind of where the Pac-12 sounds like it is right now, where unless it makes sense for the league, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of reason to expand just for the sake of expanding. I don't see a ton of schools that could enter the Pac-12 that really add you know, a significant amount of reason to do it <clears throat> at this point. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I, I think, like, if you're looking at expansion, you look at a team like Texas and Oklahoma, those are the schools you want to add to the to the conference to really, you know, grow things and have, uh, you know, more more money coming in and all that. And so um, I think them moving to the SEC is, is a strong move for them. And that's those are the types of teams you're looking at. If you're going to – if you're talking about Boise State and San Diego State and maybe BYU coming into the Pac-12, um, I don't think there's a whole reason to do it. I, I don't think there's – um, I think the Pac-12 is fine with where it's at right now. I understand, you know, growing the, the footprint of the league and moving into Texas. Obviously, you mentioned TCU and Baylor and some of those schools. Um, I think there's reasons to maybe bring some schools like that in. But I think I, I don't have an issue with, with the Pac-12 kind of staying where, where it's at and, and kind of just trying to build up, you know, the conference where it's at right now. I think the landscape is obviously changing at this point. And I think we're moving to a point where you're going to see these super conferences where, you know, you have 16 and 18 and, you know, potentially 20 teams in a conference. But uh, for right now, I think for the Pac-12, it just makes sense to kind of stay put. But we'll see what happens. You know, Matt, and, and I'm, I'm glad you think that way. And, and, and I want to hit something that's more in your wheelhouse because, I mean, based on growth that we've seen over the last, I don't know, five to seven years, it's been an exponential growth in high school talent, not only in the state of Arizona, which is something that we focus on, but also places like Oregon, um, where you know typically you didn't get a whole lot of talent for basketball and football out of those two states, and now I mean you look across the country, there are quarterbacks from Arizona everywhere. I mean they're littered across the country, playing in huge programs. Some of them even up for Heisman trophies this year. So I think that you know with the Pac-12 already with this footprint and the growing wealth of high school talent, and, and I mentioned Oregon and, and Arizona, and, you know, Washington has always kind of been there, and Seattle's going to churn out some great basketball players, but specifically those two states already with a firm hold by the Pac-12, I think things are only going to get better as long as these schools can continue to recruit and, and keep them in their backyard. Yeah, that's a great point, and that's something that if you look at kind of a lot of the top prospects across the country that are, you know, starring for other schools and in, in other conferences, there are a lot of them are from the West Coast and from, you know, our part of the country. And so uh, if, if schools out West can, can do a better job even of, of keeping a lot of those um, prospects home and instead of letting them go to the ACC, let, instead of letting them go to or the SEC too, Alabama's starting quarterback is from California. Uh, Clemson's starting quarterback is going to be from California. I mean, you look at these schools that are, um, you know, in different conferences and a lot of their prospects are, a lot of their players are from, you know, the West Coast and from our area. And so, if, you know, the schools in the Pac-12 can continue to do a good job and, and do a better job even of keeping those players home, uh, there's going to be some good football and good sports, good basketball, uh, you know, out west. And I, and I think if you can focus on just strengthening the league, I, I don't see a reason to really expand if you can continue to do what you do with the recruiting. Now, one player I want to talk about specifically 
uh, who's made a lot of waves here in the in the state of Arizona, specifically in the city of Tucson, was a young man who was going to stay home and then said, no, nope, I'm going to be taken off for uh, for apparently what he believes to be greener pastures, and we're glad to have him. But he makes his verbal commit. Of course, I'm talking about Keon Burnett, the uh, the, the outstanding tight end from uh, from Anaheim Servite, of course, joining his teammate Noah Fafita here as a verbal commit for the 2022 season for uh, Jetfish and the Wildcats. How big of a get? I mean, we talked about it yesterday, just how big it was. But, I mean, honestly, from from the, the view from someone who specializes in recruiting, just how big was this for Arizona? I mean, it's huge. There's, there's multiple levels of why it's important and why it's such a big deal. Obviously, the most notable is that you beat out USC for a top four-star tight end. I mean, there's no mistake about that. USC wanted him. It wasn't like USC said, oh, never mind, we don't want you. Kean Burnett, you can go look somewhere else. USC wanted him, and Arizona was able to pull him away. Obviously, the flip didn't happen right away. He backed off his commitment to USC uh, last month, early last month, and took some time before deciding to commit to Arizona. But uh, when he decommitted from USC, he did it with the purpose, knowing that, hey, I'm probably going to end up at Arizona. There's a very good chance I'm going to end up at Arizona. So um, Arizona was a very big part of the reason he's not going to USC, and that's a big deal. Um, it's been pretty remarkable to see Jed Fish, uh, even if you take Key and Burnett out of the equation, just to see him put the class together that he has, knowing that Arizona's lost 12 straight games and lost all five last season. I mean, it's a very difficult position to be in, and for Jed Fish to come in and really sell that vision, um, you know, sometimes that shakeup can do some good things for a program, and you can have that clean slate and sell recruits on, on your vision and, you know, saying you're going to be part of the turnaround, which Arizona has done, but I think it's, it's still – very impressive because they're getting some guys that, you know, um, wouldn't be looking at Arizona in other years and under uh, under previous coaching staffs. And um, they're doing that with no resume. Jed Fish has not been a head coach before, um, but he's really done a good job of creating some connections and being able to sell these prospects on something that's going to be positive. You, you can get recruits to visit on the vision and saying, you know, selling them on, hey, this is what we think you can be. Getting them to commit is a different story, and Arizona is getting them to commit right now. Their last two commitments have arguably been their best. Um, so it's, it's Arizona's moving in a positive direction, and I think the class is um, going in the right direction. But for Kim Burnett, outside of just beating USC, he's a very talented prospect and one of the top tight ends in the country and someone who's going to be a very impactful player for Arizona when he arrives. And then you continue uh, on with, with bringing on a legacy prospect. Um, his yeah. dad played linebacker at Arizona during the Desert Swarm era, Chester Burnett, um, and is, you know has ties to the program. So you always want to – uh, have those guys on campus and, and be able to land commitments from you know, legacy prospects. So uh, it's a big deal on a lot of different fronts. And um, right now it feels like it could just be the start. I mean, you need kind of that first really, you know, top uh, prospect to commit, and then you could eventually land some more other prospects. Say, hey, why did Kean Burnett decide he wanted to go to Arizona when he could have gone to USC? It makes other prospects look at Arizona a little bit uh, harder, and, and Arizona could maybe, you know, land a couple more of these high-end guys. Talking with Matt Moreno, senior editor of Go AZ Cats. You can follow him on Twitter. He's a must-follow on Twitter for Wildcat fans at Matt Go AZ Cats. Matt, you mentioned he would he would be attracting other uh, potential you know high star recruits to come to Arizona because a lot of people are like, oh, he transferred from you know he he decommitted, decommitted from USC to go to Tucson, and you know it all kind of started the dominoes started falling. And Anaheim Servite's a, a, a great program there in California. They turn out a lot of talent, and it all started with quarterback Noah Fafita. And I've, I've been saying this all along. If he were, you know, five inches taller, he'd be a five-star recruit and one of the top three quarterbacks in the country. Now, 
we get Fafita to come in, and he, he commits. Then his teammate, Kean Burnett, commits. Now, the other one is going to be a huge mountain to climb for Jed Fish and the Wildcats, but T. Tyroa McMillan, one of the best players in the entire state of California, the best wide receiver in the state of California, one of the best wide receivers in the entire country, considering Arizona because of the ties. And now two of those dominoes have fallen. What are the chances Arizona gets to see a guy like T-Mac? I think it's very realistic now. And I thought that before Kean Burnett committed, but I think it's it's extremely realistic and maybe even likely at this point. I mean, um, the connection with Noah Fafita and T-Mac McMillan is huge. I mean, it's, it's even stronger than with Kean Burnett. And, you know, T-Mac and, and, and Noah, they talk about themselves being best friends and they consider themselves best friends. And uh, when I talked to McMillan about that possibility of him, you know, continuing to, to play with Fafita in college and, and, have that connection he he really put a lot of stock in that and that's something that's you know going to be a big part of his decision if Arizona ends up being the spot for him uh that that reason is going to be a big deal for him and and knowing that he's going to be able to continue to play with Noah and and have his quarterback for the next four years and continue to have that connection you know with somebody they knows very well I think is a big deal and can be overlooked I know uh, obviously Oregon has a lot of appeal for him USC uh, would offer him a chance to stay close to home but um, I think Arizona is very much in this race and, and you know, could be moving towards that likely scenario for Arizona now that Keen Burnett is committed and you know he has two of his teammates at Arizona. Um, uh, he, he's a little bit of a different type of character and, and um, someone that I don't think is going to be completely wooed by the bright lights and you know the glitz and glamour of, of Oregon going to Oregon with that Nike connection or going to uh, USC and playing in Los Angeles. I think he really does want to find the right fit and you know, having two of his teammates at Arizona is a big deal. Like you mentioned, he's one of the top, you know, receivers, you know, in the class. I think when all is said and done, he could potentially be the top receiver in the class. I think he's going to continue moving up the rankings. Um, I watched him in July, and, and he's just on a different level. He can make plays that you just don't see guys make very often. He has a volleyball background, and, you know, he has the length um, with that leaping ability. He just can make some very impressive plays. I don't remember – you know, ever seen in my time covering the team, seeing a player quite like him at Arizona. So it would be a game changer for Arizona in terms of their recruiting and um, the appeal that he's going to bring. He's a future NFL type of player. And so I, I think he's um, very much in the mix at Arizona. And right now, you know, with two of his teammates committed, could be likely scenario that he ends up with the Wildcats. I know Tucson isn't exactly the mecca of marketing that some of the other larger markets are, but what are the opportunities for a, a guy like uh, T. Tyroa McMillan or Noah Fafita as far as the new NIL goes? Are, are, we, are we hearing about some, some Arizona players already that are being able to take advantage of this? I know there's not a whole lot of mega superstars on this current roster, but what are the opportunities for them? Yeah, I think there's going to be opportunities. Obviously, Oregon has a lot, and that's a big part of their spell, which is throwing kind of a different element into this recruitment and, and with someone like him, they're going to be able to offer a lot more. They have connections at Nike. They just have more to offer there. Um, Arizona players have started to kind of cash in a little bit on those, uh, on those opportunities, but I, I think it's going to be something as the team starts to grow and get better and um, win some games and you start to see some more prominent players kind of um, get their name out there. I think those opportunities will grow, but, um, I do think it's, it's something that everyone's kind of feeling out right now. You've heard some big numbers, you know, from Alabama's quarterback, who's you know apparently approaching a million dollars in terms of the money 
he's going to be able to make. And uh, Ohio State just had a quarterback say, I'm not even going to play my senior year of high school. I'm just going to skip it all together because he's from Texas and uh, can't take any of that money right now. And so he says, you know what, I'm going to go to Ohio State a year ahead of time, uh, potentially redshirt, and, and, but still take advantage of those opportunities. So uh, it's definitely a new world and something that everyone's still trying to get used to. But um, I do think Arizona's going to have its fair share of opportunities. I think those will start to come. The bigger money opportunities will start to come as the team gets better and improves under Jet Fish. But uh, it's definitely something that Arizona is going to have to figure out because there are there are schools that are going to that are going to be able to offer you know more money in terms of just the opportunities that are going to be out there and their connections that, that are going to be out there. It's an interesting scenario with recruiting. Obviously, you don't want to have those situations where you say, "Hey, we're going to get you X amount of dollars." Um, and so we'll see kind of what happens with that as this process plays out. But um, that's kind of one of those things where Oregon can offer those opportunities. And I think that's something that someone like T-Mac McMillan has to really consider. And that's something that maybe is holding up the decision at this point because you know those opportunities are so strong at a school like Oregon. Joined by Matt Moreno, senior editor of Go AZ Cats here on the Jeff Dean Show. And, Matt, before we, uh, we get you out of here, I, I want to talk some basketball. Of course, Tommy Lloyd has come in, taken over for Sean Miller. And I want to talk specifically about some news that is occurring uh, with the in the recruiting you know aspects with with Tucson and as far as a player that made a visit over the weekend a kid a young man by the name of uh, Kylan Boswell who continues to climb the ranks especially after having a really impressive summer and interestingly enough after his visit he has just now announced that he's transferring to AZ Compass Prep after having an impressive summer and visiting Arizona on an unofficial visit what are you what are you thinking what are, what are your thoughts about that. Yeah, it's a little bit surprising. He played at Corona Centennial in California, which won, just won a title for their section, and uh, is a very, very strong program, and, and you know one of the better public school programs uh, around in the country. And they have a very talented team, and he's you know the best player on that team. And so uh, I was a little bit surprising to see him make the move to a prep school, but it's going to give him an opportunity to team up with a ton of talented players. Uh, AZ Compass Prep really has a loaded roster right now, a lot of five-star guys, um, different types of players that'll help him kind of fit into a different type of role and um, he won't have as much of the burden on him to do scoring, but he'll be able to develop and um, continue to have a really strong career over the next couple of years. But obviously for Arizona, the big benefit is he's right down the road. Now he's only a you know, couple hour drive away up in Chandler and even less than that. And so uh, it gives him an opportunity to visit Arizona. I imagine he'll be uh, around for the red blue game and maybe potentially see some games in person during the season. Uh, he's turned into a big priority. Tommy Lloyd and this coaching staff have not worked very quickly. Um, they've been slow to offer prospects, but uh, Kylan Boswell is someone they offered right after Tommy Lloyd watched him uh, last month when he played in Phoenix, or two months ago, back in June when he played in Phoenix. Uh, Tommy Lloyd watched him, and they offered him uh, shortly after that happened. And so um, he's been a big priority for Arizona since then. He's originally from Illinois, so he, he's not. Uh, it's not foreign to him to kind of move around and, and see some different places. But uh, he was really taking a strong look at UCLA uh, when I talked to him in June. Uh, he mentioned UCLA quite a bit. He had already taken a visit there by the time I talked to him. So to get him out of California, get him to Arizona is a big deal for for you know the Wildcats, and uh, he'll have a chance to get down to Tucson as much as he wants. And um, I think it's a big deal for Arizona to have him close by. There's some other targets on that team at AZ Compass Prep for Arizona, but he's definitely going to be one of the priorities. And to have him a little bit closer is not a bad thing for Arizona. Well, Maddie, AZ Compass Prep is literally three miles from my house, so. When you come up here to watch Kylan Boswell and uh, the Dragons play, let me know. I'll meet you out there. We'll go watch some basketball together, okay? Uh, absolutely. Looking forward to it.
Maddie, I appreciate the time as always, man. You're the best, and uh, continue the great work. You can follow him, of course, on Twitter. He's a must-follow, at MattGoAZCats, at MattGoAZCats on Twitter. He's a senior editor at GoAZCats.com, and he joined us right now on the Jeff Dean Show. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right, that's Matt Moreno right there, breaking it down as only he can, talking Arizona recruiting football and basketball Look, him saying that the TMAC commitment is now likely, dude, that's got to get some people excited, man. I mean, I was already excited about the Key and Burnett signing. Oh, I was excited about the Noah Fafita commitment. I keep saying signings. Commitments. We have, to, we, have, we have to wait till you know, LOI day before we can call them signings. The commitments. These are verbal commits from these young men. But, you know, I was excited after Fafita committed. Really excited over the weekend when Burnett committed, and now to hear Matt say that he believes that McMillan is a likely commit for Arizona is absolutely huge. I mean, this is like, like <laughs> this guy. You heard Matt talk about it. He may he may ascend to be one of the top two wide receiver recruits in the entire country by the time the 2022 season rolls around, which is just staggering to think where this program and what this coaching staff has done in such a short amount of time this is just awesome and i'll tell you what it's a hell of a lot of fun which makes things even better all right we're gonna take a time out when we return more news coming out of arizona and of course some nfl news coming up all that right here on the jeff dean show on 1490 am 104.9 fm espn tucson Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Be sure to join NFL Cover 2 each weekday here on ESPN Tucson, brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery, celebrating 30 years of brewing for Arizona, always delicious. And uh, go check them out, the uh, the great atmosphere, of course, there. And uh, I, I do love, I, I mean, Look, whenever I'm in Tucson after the games, if uh, if there's time, if, you know, if the game doesn't get over at midnight, uh, I'm happy to head over to Barrio for some delicious uh, Sonoran dogs. And they got great food over there, burgers and stuff, but the beer is always delicious. And uh, always love me some Barrio Brewing. Interesting story out of Carolina this morning. As Carolina Panthers receiver Keith Kirkwood was uh, taken off the field on a stretcher and put into an ambulance after receiving a devastating hit to the head and neck area by rookie safety J.T. Ebay. J.T. Ebay was then kicked out of the workout and then waved by the team. I've not seen video of this. I don't know if it will uh, if it will come to light. But Panthers coach Matt Rule told reporters that Kirkwood did have movement in his legs, did not have any pain in his neck area. Kirkwood, who broke his clavicle twice last season, his collarbone, uh, was limited to one catch on 13 yards in one regular season game and played his first two years in New Orleans, a uh, a young receiver out of Temple. But uh, JT Ebay was kicked off the team, essentially. Apparently, it was a pretty brutal hit and uh, most likely highly illegal. And uh, there's no place for that, especially when it's a teammate. That's just ridiculous. So, um, we wish Kirkwood all the best on his recovery there. Hopefully it's not it's not too bad. Also, some news out of Houston in Texans training camp. When asked Monday 
whether the commencement of padded practices would alter Deshaun Watson's limited contributions during training camp, Texans coach David Culley said nothing has changed. Well, something has changed. Uh, apparently, according to multiple reports, Deshaun Watson was not present for practice today as the practice, uh, pra- padded practices <laughs> got underway. Say that five times fast. Uh, padded practices got underway today, and Deshaun Watson was was not present for those practices. Now the Texans are still waiting for that lofty trade offer to, offer to come as <laughs> they're asking for a ton of compensation three first-round picks, two starters. I mean, they're, they're asking for a lot of stuff for Deshaun Watson, and they're not going to get it. I, I can't imagine they're going to get it unless some team is just so incredibly desperate um, to, to make that happen. I just don't see it happening. So the uh, Houston Texans are going to have to either play him, bench him, cut him. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know what the, the, the move is for the Texans at this point, but things are not good in Houston, and we knew – that Deshaun Watson was going to be asking for a trade based on everything that happened in the offseason and all the just ridiculousness that occurred with the, you know, of course, all, you know, the trading of DeAndre Hopkins and all the news that happened even two years ago. Deshaun Watson has not been happy. And he's one of the best performers at quarterback in the NFL. And then, of course, the lawsuits, the pending lawsuits that are uh, levied against Deshaun Watson, 22 pending lawsuits of alleged sexual misconduct of numerous amounts of women uh, in the Texas and Houston area. So that is also looming over his head. So things not good for uh, for Houston or for Deshaun Watson, and we'll keep a close eye on that. And also coming out of Colts camp this morning, no, not Carson Wentz news. This time it's left guard Quentin Nelson as he left practice this morning after having his foot getting stepped on, one of the best players and I mean players in the NFL, not just people at his position. He is one of the best players in the NFL. He is ridiculously good, and we knew it. Uh, I, I mean, the, the scouts were correct on him coming out of college, and he has been everything th- that and more. Um, now, he is in a boot. He has been spotted in a boot, so it would be interesting to see how long Quentin Nelson is out. It sounds like. Look, he's an offensive lineman. He's a tough guy. He's not going to let it derail his season for you know for any reason. So we will uh, we will keep a close eye on that. But uh, things continue to be unlucky for the horseshoe in Indianapolis, and uh, some uh, you know some more injury news there on the offensive side of the ball. We'll keep a close eye on everything else continuing to happen. Um, I know Matthew Stafford injured his thumb. He had his helmet on a thumb during practice. We're still keeping a close eye on that shoulder tightness for Dak Prescott in Dallas. So quarterback's kind of in question right now. And I think another question should be for Bears fans, just how quickly is Justin Fields going to see the field for the Chicago Bears? And based on what has been shown in in camp so far, and again, these are highlight reels and things like that. I have not been able to watch a Bears practice, obviously. But based on some of the news that is coming out, it is starting to look like, Maybe Andy Dalton is going to be second string to Justin Fields. And should the Bears start Justin Fields right away? Should they throw the talented young rookie out there and just let it let it fly? Because he's obviously the better player, the higher ceiling. He's the better athlete. You know, everything over Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's got the experience, of course. But do you trust your season and your team to Justin Fields right off the bat and just say, screw it, we're going to roll with the kid. We're going to put the best option out there 
and uh, and see what happens. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Chicago, especially through the preseason as uh, we gear up for games starting this Thursday. Cowboys and Steelers on Thursday for the NFL Hall of Fame game. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show. When we return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition on 1490 AM and 104.9 FM ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM ESPN Tucson. How close are we to getting an NCAA football game? Again, like an EA Sports NCAA football game. Right? I mean, like, just how close are we to getting that? It's interesting because, you know, there are other things in play here. You can't just say, okay, NIL is open. Everybody gets, uh, you know, it's a free-for-all. No, no. There's other things in play. Like, EA Sports would never be allowed to use the, you know, the blockade. Let's say if they wanted to make, you know, a, a team for Arizona in the game, the block A has to be co-licensed with the players. Now, these are starting; these are dominoes that are beginning to fall. North Carolina was the first one to do it. They took care of it last year, uh, or last month, rather, when they basically co-mingled the school's trademark rights in licensing with the players' abilities and student-athletes' abilities to, uh, to gain name, name, image, and likeness profits off of, that, uh, off of that trademark. Ohio State is the most recent school to do this. They announced uh, just recently that the student-athletes at Ohio State will be able to opt in and use their name, image, and likeness in conjunction with the school's trademarks and logos as part of a group licensing program. Now, according to Ohio State's announcement, the group licensing program will offer jerseys and eventually grow to include merchandise such as apparel, trading cards, bobbleheads, and video games. So, now this is an important step in the next process of NIL because can you know players can go out on their own like DJ Ungalele signed a deal with Bojangles chicken right and he gets uh, you know he gets a deal Bryce Young signs a deal with Cash App and he gets all kinds of money uh Kayvon Thibodeau in Oregon signs that kind of unique deal with Uncle Phil as he calls him and it drives me nuts that players are saying that now uh it, you know he signs a deal with Uncle Phil to make him a ton of money through Nike now, we had always talked about, we, I think a lot of people just assumed that players would be able to profit off of, like, jersey sales and such like that. You go to the, the, the school team shop, and you buy a jersey, you buy your, you know, your favorite player's jersey, and all of a sudden he's going to be able to make money. Well, only if that school has a co-licensing agreement with the players. And these dominoes are beginning to fall now. North Carolina, as I mentioned, was the first school to do it, Chapel Hill. Now in Columbus at Ohio State, and I think you'll start to see more and more where the NIL bills have been signed into law, you'll start to see them, you know, you'll start to see the schools now begin to co-mingle their trademark rights along with the NIL so that students can have an opportunity to make more money in that aspect. And Arizona is expected to be one of them. Look, University of Arizona has protected the Block A very, very well. They've been very staunch protectors of the Block A trademark, the trademark Block A. It's, it's been... Um, you know, areas of contention, they're very strict on who gets to use that. And I'm sure it's something that Arizona has talked about. Now, remember, the state of Arizona just signed this into into legislation like two weeks ago, okay? So it's not like 
this is something that's been going on and they should have been working on it for this this is brand new for the state of Arizona. July 23rd is when, is when NIL became legal in the state of Arizona. So this is something that is brand new and there are still plenty of other states out there that need to uh, you know that that need to come on board and there are there are states that are essentially waiting. I, I think like New Jersey is not even close to a passing the NIL laws. So we wouldn't be able to have Rutgers in an EA Sports college football game if they wanted to come out with one. So we're still ways away from getting things like EA Sports, NCAA football 2023 or whatever, which is sad because it's a wonderful game and it's a whole lot of fun. And I love putting my player on a Heisman Trophy. And, you know, it's just just good old fun, good old-fashioned fun. Uh, but, again, these are all brand-new things and these are processes that are going to have to take place. But it is interesting to know that there are schools that are already moving forward with these types of things, and I do believe that eventually Arizona will use this as um, a tool for their student-athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness while using the Block A, the famous Block A. Of course, it has been trademarked for decades and decades in Tucson. So good to see it moving forward with these NIL things. It, it's here. It's here to stay, and so we need to embrace it and find new ways to uh, to work the system in favor of these young student athletes, so that they can benefit and they don't go overboard and hopefully aren't distracted from some of these vultures that are out there looking to make more profit off of their needs as well. That's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Matt Moreno, senior editor of GoEasyCats.com, who joined us. You can follow him at NatGoEasyCats. Congratulations to our ticket winner, Harold Owls. Enjoy the soccer match. And, of course, thank you to Mary behind the glass for all her hard work and pushing all the right buttons, keeping us on the air. Stay tuned at 3 o'clock today for Spears and Ali. We'll see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.